Hello and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. Oh my god, hi. Welcome back to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. We're in February now, people. February. How is it already February of 2024? That's wild to me. I started a new job, a new life, a new career just recently in January. So it's kind of why the cadence became just an every Tuesday episode. But I'm hoping to give you juicier and meatier episodes going forward. But again, welcome to February, y'all. Also, this month, we're going to do a bunch of love stories from the Bible. Yes, so we're not going to do kind of that 27-part episode that we did previously with Joseph. No, I'm going to focus on some known, unknown, well-known love stories, love triangles, love lost, love lorn, some nasty love from the Bible. And that's what we're doing today. We're starting with what I was, as I was researching this, is called the Bible's original love triangle. And this is the story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. Yes, this love triangle is a super fun story that involves ladders to heaven, conniving cousins slash fathers-in-law, unwelcome surprises, and at the very, very end, a name change after a sexy wrestling match in my head. And just before we begin, this is coming at you from the beginning of the Bible. Yep, we're in Genesis, that first book of the 66 books in the Old and New Testaments combined, where we're talking all about our bad bleep, Jacob's arduous journey to love, cousin love, Bible love, love. So setting the scene a wee bit, Jacob, not Israel yet, so just Jacob, is in a bit of a mess of his own making. So he stole his brother's inheritance by tricking his father Isaac. And our dude Jacob is being threatened by his brother Esau for stealing said inheritance from Esau, who was supposed to inherit all of his father's land a la Israel because he was the firstborn. But Esau did not get that because Jacob went in and tricked his father into giving him the blessing. And Jacob now is on the run, just in case Esau chooses to act on his anger and act on his vengeance. Let's remember that this is the beginning of the Bible slash the beginning of time, and the Bible's first murder between brothers Cain and Abel is not that far removed from Jacob's consciousness. So... Maybe Jacob was wise in yeeting himself out of his brother Esau's presence. And I get it, people. I just threw a lot of names at you. Jacob, Isaac, Esau, Cain, Abel. But if you are a bleeper, which you should be now, you should be super familiar with most of these people. So congrats on gaining your Bible knowledge. So our story begins then with Jacob on the run from his brother Esau and wandering to the city of Haran. Haran, which is super north of present-day Israel, is currently located in what is currently located, is located in what is today a city in Turkey. Do I know which city? No, because there are ruins, and I didn't look that up. I just know that it's in present-day Turkey. Who cares? Moral of the story is that this is where Jacob is heading. He's heading to Haran. He's going far north of Israel, again, to present-day Turkey. 
So dude was getting really the heck out of the line of fire and yeeting himself into the unknown, into the unknown ends of the earth. And one night on this journey, Jacob settled down for the evening and prepared to have a nice relaxing rest. As much of a rest as you can on some rocky earth, but whatever. This is where I side note and say that I have gone camping once with my friends who hopefully listen to this. Laura, Sabina, I have a call with you in 50 minutes. Do you listen to this podcast? We went on a camping trip to North Ohio to Sandusky, which is near Cedar Point. And it was the craziest night. There were, I want to say a word, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word, but say this word, like redneck people camping out, setting off fireworks in the middle of the night. We were all on the ground. Regardless, I will never go camping again. Never. So I give props to Jacob, who settles down for the evening on this rocky soil, hopefully sans fireworks, and prepares to have a nice relaxing rest. And on his little respite underneath the starlit sky, he began to dream. And as we've learned, if we've not learned anything, we have learned that God loves a dream. He loves to prophesy or tell the future in dreams. He sends his eyeballed angels into dreams to tell the future. He has people tell fortunes through dreams. Hello, Joseph. God loves a dream. And unbeknownst to Jacob, he has a very special dream that would shape his destiny forever. Honestly, this dream was more like a vision. And in this vision, he saw a ladder. Yes, a ladder. Not super exciting, right? I know. But listen, bear with me because this ladder was massive and it stretched from the earth all the way up into heaven. And on this ladder in Jacob's dream, we're going up and down angels. So we have this giant ladder stretching from the earth into heaven, whereupon angels were prancing themselves up and down the ladder. Yes. If you're like in your head thinking, hmm, this sounds familiar. A ladder, his name is Jacob. Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, this is where that comes from. Jacob's Ladder is this. It's not that toy that you got at the Cracker Barrel like gift shop that would like flip, 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 flip down. No, Jacob's Ladder comes from the Bible and is this ladder stretching forth to heaven. And who should be at the top of this ladder but God? Who in his godly voice says to the sleeping slash visioning Jacob, Hey, girl! And no, he did not say, hey, girl. He, in fact, said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it. That rocky soil I will give to you, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and shall spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A lot of talk about Jacob's seed, which I think is kind of gross. But the gist of this is, don't worry. Don't worry, Jacob. You are supposed to have the inheritance, even though you stole it. And you will have numerous babies who will then build the nation of Israel. Big stuff, right? A momentous occasion for Jacob. So much so that Jacob decides the way that I'm going to commemorate this is to build an altar. And side note here, I'm obsessed with how the Bible describes the building of this altar. Um, More so kind of how the Bible describes he built it. 
really one fact. The Bible says that he took the stones that he had used for his pillows and set them up for an altar. Like, my dude, why didn't you just, like, take your little rucksack, put it under your head? Why are you using stones as pillows? I digress. He built this altar, and he named it Luz. L-U-Z. Luz. Which is remarkably similar to my tour guide in Cuba, whose name was Laz. But unlike my Cuban tour guide, Luz means house of God, whereas Laz should probably have meant weird, wild, and fun. Anyway, digression. Probably at this point, you are asking yourself, Scott, you're talking a lot about ladders, about dreams, about stone pillows. Where is this love triangle that you promised us? Fear not, bleeps, because here she comes. So, Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, right? Yes. Yes, he was fleeing. But just before he yeeted himself away, why am I saying yeet so much in this? But just before he yeeted himself away, his dying father Isaac said to him, Son, you can't marry any of the women around here. No, you need to marry a cousin. You also need to get out of Dodge. So, sure, leave so that Esau won't murder you, but make your way to the house of your uncle Laban and take one of his daughters, your cousin, to wife. It's here that I would say how wild the Bible is for this cousin marrying suggestion. But, like, it's still a thing that I'm pretty sure is happening all around the world. So, Bible, you get a pass this one time. Though I'm still not forgiving you for that one concubine story that I told months ago that will haunt me to this day. So, sure, Jacob was fleeing from his brother's wrath, but he was also fleeing to find himself a wife. After his father's command, and not to mention his destiny-altering dream... Jacob finally arrived in the land of Paddan Aram. Did I look up how to say that? No. But he arrived in Paddan Aram. It could be Padan Aram. The gay self really wants that to be Padan. But here we are. He arrived in Padan Aram in the city of Haran, again in present-day Turkey. And it's here that we have a beautiful picture that as the sun begins to set... It casts everything in a warm, romantic glow. Where we find Jacob, at a well, where three flocks of sheep were gathered. And while there, taking a short little break, probably fixing his neck from his stone pillow, who should come prancing down from the hills around him, bathed in the warm glow of the setting sun, but the shepherdess, Rachel. And it's here we can picture Jacob's eyes go all round and heart-shaped as he asks another shepherd, who is that? (laughs) I'm sure that's just how he said it. Um, The shepherd then informs Jacob that that was Rachel, the daughter of Laban. Win, win, win. He has found his love It's his cousin who he's supposed to marry. And just absolutely overcome with joy, he runs up to this woman, this stranger to him, grabs her, freaking kisses her. Hello, consent. Where you at? Is consent in the room with us? No. And he begins to cry. Now, listen, if I was Rachel... I don't know how I would react. I mean, maybe Jacob was hot, but it's still my cousin. (laughs) Nasty. I am not Rachel, 
I would probably react in a different way than Rachel did because let's remember that the Bible, the Bible was written by a bunch of old men who saw nothing wrong with a stranger running up to a woman and literally assaulting her. It's therefore then not surprising that in this story written by old men, Rachel is thrilled with this oral attack. Further, she is even more thrilled when she finds out after having her face just sucked that it was her cousin who made out with her. Yay! The lovers, the cousin lovers who have just met, then approach Laban, Jacob's uncle, and profess their very Romeo and Juliet style love. And while... Okay, listen, this part of the story has some twists and turns that are questionable AF. At least Jacob does one sensible freaking thing here. In order to win his love for Rachel, he understands that this is soon, this is very quick, and he probably needs to prove himself. So he says that he's willing to work seven years of labor prior to wedding Rachel. Maybe again to get to know each other. I don't know. But finally, after those seven years are accomplished, he will then take to wife his cousin, Rachel. He runs this by Laban. I mean, Laban, what else was he going to say? This is a win-win for him, free labor and a son. He says yes. He agrees. And seven years pass with a quickness, with nothing really to tell. And Jacob's love for Rachel just grows deeper and deeper as each year passes. Until finally... After seven years, the day of the wedding arrives, and in front of all of the family, the veiled Rachel weds Jacob, and they go off into the sunset to spread Jacob's seed all over the land of Israel. Yay! False. Yes, the wedding did arrive, and Jacob did wed a veiled woman, but it turns out that it wasn't Rachel. That's right, people. The morning after the wedding, after things were, you know, consummated and such, Jacobs lifts the veil on his newly minted wife to reveal none other than his other, what the Bible describes as more homely cousin, the sister to Rachel, Leah. Hello, plot twist. Hello, new character. Leah has entered the chat. Turns out Laban had performed a little trickeroo and switched the brides at the last minute, unbeknownst to our main squeeze, Jacob. And Jacob was livid and confronts Laban, demanding to know the reason behind his deceit. And it's here that I can picture Laban with a wry little laugh right in the face of Jacob, explaining that, please, this is the Bible. In the Bible, you can't have the eldest daughter unwed prior to the youngest daughter being married. In other words, Leah, the eldest daughter, had to marry Jacob because... It's just what tradition called for. Rachel couldn't marry before her older sister. And listen, wild, sure. But Jacob maybe seems to understand. I don't know. But now things are great, right? Sure, Jacob will now have multiple wives. 
that's fine, I guess, because let's remember, this is the Bible, and Abraham, Jacob's grandpa, had three wives. And future podcast episode star Solomon, later in the Old Testament, will have 700 wives. What's another wife, then, for Old Testament Jacob? However, it wasn't so simple as adding Rachel to Jacob's now polygamist marriage arrangement. No, 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 no. Jacob's uncle Laban had one more request, one more trick up his sleeve. He offered a solution to Jacob's Rachel-less predicament. Sure, Jacob could marry Rachel. I mean, Leah, the eldest sister, is now married, so we check. That's cool. He can marry Rachel, but only in exchange for another seven years of service. (laughs) Like, what the heck? He not only had seven years... He did the switcheroo, and now he's demanding seven more years. Insanity, but also sneaky, and also I kind of admire it, sure. Jacob, for his part, was undeterred, and he agrees. Did I just say turd? He was undeterred. What a horrible word. He was unfazed and agrees to Laban's request. Honestly, Again, I keep saying this. This is the Old Testament. This is the Bible. He probably could have just murdered Laban and yeeted Rachel away. Yeeted again. We need to make this a drinking game where every time I say yeeted, you get to take a drink of some sort of beverage. Um, But he yeeted away, glug. But I guess he was one of the more nonviolent Bible types. A rarity, it seems. So Jacob agrees because, as the Bible puts it, Jacob's love for Rachel was more than his love for Leah. So romantic. Let's also remember both of these people are still his cousins. All right, fast forward another seven years, and the time has come for Jacob to take Rachel as his wife. This time in what I assume was an unveiled ceremony and christening. (laughs) They wed with no hitches, and everything was jolly good. Right? Right? That's what happened? No. There's one more twist. And the twist is not that they didn't get married. They did. Now he has two wives. Sweet. But wait. This part was honestly shocking to me when I read it because the Bible for once actually had a bit of a feminist moment, friends. Yes. Remember that I mentioned that the Bible says that he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. Yes. Well... Because of this admission of guilt, God decided to make Leah the octomom of her time. Not even octomom. What's the word for 10? I'm not going to look that up. Um, He decided to make her supermom. He opened up her womb, the Bible says, and gave her babies aplenty. But because of what was said, for Rachel, the Bible says that she was barren. Save for two very special babies that we covered in our previous Bad Bleeps episode about Joseph. Yes! Joseph and his brother Benjamin were the only two babies allowed from the womb of the favored, more pretty, in air quotes, Rachel. While the scorned Leah produced five-sixths of the entire nation of Israel from her very powerful, and as the Bible describes again, open womb. Side note, womb 
is like one of my favorite words of all time. Just say it with me. Womb. Another favorite word of mine is nude. Nude. They're both just nude womb. Digression. (laughs) So yes, the Bible, again, feminist moment. Leah, you're favored. They treated you wrong, girl. You can have lots of babies. Rachel, sorry. Just because you're pretty does not mean you can have babies. You get two. And I mean, here, for once, the Bible is giving women the justice they deserve. On both sides, I guess. And real fast, before we close our story, remember I always say that Jacob had a name changed to Israel. I'm going to tell you that story, lightning speed. Here we go. On the way home with his two wives, he wrestled with an angel and won against the angel. Angel, Somehow. Not sure. Whereupon the angel was like, dang, girl, you're strong. No wonder your seed is going to fill all of Israel. And in fact, because your seed is going to fill all of Israel, that's what we're going to call you. Israel. Cool, fun side story in addition to this juicy triangle of Bible love. And that's our story, folks. Coming at you from Genesis 28, we heard the wild story of Jacob and his arduous journey to love involving ladders, labans, name changes, and leahs, and in the future, lots and lots of little babies. I couldn't think of an L word for babies. Maybe lads. I don't know, but... Listen, what I do know is thank you so much for sticking with me through this story of our bleep Jacob and his cousin wives, his cousin wife, his cousin's love triangle. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please, please get in touch with me. Share your thoughts. Maybe you have a story that you want to hear that I haven't covered yet. Maybe you have church trauma that you want to share. I still would love to get off the ground some like people's... like church stories that they had that's funny. Like one time I almost lit the church on fire by lighting a WD-40. If you spray WD-40 and put a flame at the end, it kind of makes it like a fireball and the church almost shut down for a Wednesday night. Tell me those stories. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad Bleeps of the Bible. You can also find our sources for today's story, which can be found in our show notes. And please, thank you so much to those who have already done it. Rate the show. Review the show. Subscribe to the show and share the show. Catch you next time and please watch out for labors and labans and lads and leahs and other things that start with L. Bye!